the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. In this sort of final review that I want to bring to your attention. The first thing sort of builds on what we talked about last weekend. You have to carefully control your mental intake. My prayer for myself and for you as well is that going forward from this series that you'll be far more careful about the intake into your mind. What are you taking in? If I ask you how much poison are you willing to tolerate in your food, what would your answer be? I hope it would be none. If we said, let me just put a little bit of poison in your food, how much would you, how, how would you really like that? Most of us would say, no, no, I don't want any poison in my food whatsoever. However, so many times when it comes to our minds and our thinking, without really paying attention to what's coming our way, we take in poison to our minds and what we're reading and what we're watching and what we're listening to and what we're meditating upon and the conversations that we have. All of those things are intakes into your life. And I just want to remind you, you have control over what you intake. Just think about maybe if you had some plumbing in your house before that you needed to shut off a valve somewhere. Most plumbing in the house will have a shut off valve and you can go and shut that valve off and things will not flow there anymore because you've shut the valve off. And I want you to think of your mind as having a shut off valve, but the mind is not going to shut off until you make, take the action to do so. And that is called something that we will call here tonight self-control. Say it with me. The way you, you control your mental intake is by controlling your yourself, okay? And a lot of times we don't think about the fact that you're in charge of you, okay? You get to tell yourself what you can and can't do. You get to pull the, open up the, 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 the valve or close the valve in your life in terms of what comes in and what you're willing to think about and the conversations you're willing to have and the things you're willing to watch or listen to in life. You have a shutoff valve and that's called self-control. Let's take a look at some verses of scripture that emphasize this for us. Proverbs 25 verse 28. Why don't you read it together with me aloud and loudly. Here we go. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, obviously, this goes back to ancient times. And in ancient times, uh, most major cities were walled cities. And the walls represented what protected the city from being invaded by enemy forces. And the Bible says that a person without self-control, if you haven't established self-control in your life, is like an ancient city that didn't have any walls around it. It was vulnerable to whatever forces might want to come in at any time. Now, we don't want our lives to be that way. And so it's telling us that self-control is a protective 
dimension of life. It will protect you. It will wall your life against things that might be and could very well be and will very well be destructive in your life. Take a look now with me, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Look at what it says. A true athlete, Paul is talking about his own spiritual journey, his relationship with God and how important it was to have discipline in his life. And so he's using an athletic analogy. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant, where's, what's the word again? Self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run our, our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. None of us will be victorious in our spiritual journey without this thing called self-control. Take a look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know this verse well. Why don't we read it aloud again together? Are you ready? This is from New Living Translation. Read with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's stop there for a moment. Anybody thankful for that? Okay. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. What kind of spirit has God given us of power, love, and self-discipline? Again, that could be translated. Other translations use the phrase self-control there. So we think, my goodness, do I really have the power to control myself? Yes, the scripture says God didn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but he has given you a spirit of power and love and self-control. Do you know that God has empowered you to say yes to yourself when you need to say yes, and God has empowered you to say no to yourself when you need to say no to yourself. In fact, if you'll read in Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's a gift of God given to you. You have that ability in your life. So we need to stop. All of us need to stop allowing anything and everything that comes along to have entrance into our minds, into our lives. But in the name of Jesus, take charge. Self-control. Now, when it comes to self-control, what I'm talking about is not only stopping the poison that comes in, but cleaning out any poison that comes in. The best thing to do is to stop it before it gets inside of you. Any of you ever had a, a, a bad meal? You've gotten, had maybe uh, stomach poisoning before. You've eaten something that was, not, it was maybe bad and it really affected you. And so you realize, my goodness, I, I wish I had not eaten that, but I did. What do I do now? Okay, that's the idea, okay? So the biggest thing is to make sure you avoid the stuff, and you've got to make some choices. We all do have to make some hard choices about what comes into our house through our television, what comes into our house through the movies that we watch. This is not legalism. This is just you being healthy, okay? You being having a healthy mind. What comes into your house through your, through your computer. You're making choices and you choose that. But sometimes some stuff sneaks in that you didn't catch along the way. And you find that you've been mentally poisoned by something. What do you do then? Well, you make the decision to go to God to have a mind cleansing. I'm glad that God can clean out your mind, aren't you? You say, are you sure that can happen? Yes, it can. Take a look with me at Psalm 51. Psalmist David had some mental problems with his own life, some things that got, uh, were soiled in his life, and so he prays this prayer, keep 
he's, he's talking to God now. Keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. So here is David crying out for his heart to be clean again, for his mind to be purified. I will tell you that when you get poisoned, the best thing you can do is find the antidote, and that's nothing other than the blood of Jesus cleansing your mind from that that stuff that gets inside of you, and God is faithful to do that, as we'll get to in a moment, as you approach Him with that need. Second thing, you want to stay in the peace of God? Amen? What do you have to do? You got to control your mental content But you also, this is so important, you've got to live in love. That's how you maintain the right attitude. Because love and peace always go together. You can't really separate those two. An absence of love will generally mean an absence of peace. If there's there's an absence of love in a marriage, will you have a lot of peace in the home? Chances not not very high that that's going to happen. And so you need both of these things working together. So to have peace, love has to be present because the presence of love actually brings peace. And the most comforting, peaceful experience you can have is to know that you're unconditionally loved. That does tremendous things for you. That is, if I know that I'm unconditionally loved, that there's nothing that I can do that could cause someone to stop loving me, then I have a tremendous peace or confidence in the way that I can live my life. I can move forward with my life because of that confidence. Now, here's the problem. There are no human beings, although they may try very hard, there are no human beings that can absolutely, without any doubt, promise you that they're going to love you all the time, forever, unconditionally. That's the problem we get into. We expect people to unconditionally always love us. That's great if someone loves you uh, deeply and, and, and with a sincere love, but probably at some point in time, you're going to do something or could do something that would offend them or hurt them along the way. And there's the possibility as, as extent, whatever extent it might be that you could do something so serious or so, so, so intense in the relationship that they may say, you know what? I'm kind of done with you. There's always that risk with people, right? Anybody ever had someone that you thought would stick by your side forever and they didn't? You thought that you could count on them and they were going to be there through thick and thin and then all of a sudden they just disappeared from your life. You thought they were your best friend, your closest bosom buddy and they're not here anymore. Why? Because unconditional love in humanity is very rare if not completely impossible for people to do. But I will tell you something. There is one who loves you unconditionally. It's very important that we draw the distinction. Because if you're looking for it from a human, you're not going to get it. But if you're looking for it from your creator, he's already made a decision that he loves you and there's nothing you can ever do that will cause him to stop loving you. Isn't that good? You and I need to take just a deep breath. I'm so glad to know somebody loves me like that, right? I'm so glad to know that I'm so secure in God's love that I don't need to spend my time or energy worrying about if he's going to love me or not. I'm completely accepted by him. Now, he may not always accept my, he certainly doesn't always accept my behavior, but he always accepts me. I'm safe in his love. Take a look at this foundational truth here in 1 John chapter 3, the first part of uh, verse number 1. 
See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. See how very much our Father loves us. It's not a small love, it is a large love. 1 John chapter 4, look again at what John gives us here. God showed how much, there's that concept again, how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Isn't that wonderful? Again, it's assuring us of the unconditional love of God. Again, we're in 1 John. By the way, 1 John's a great book to, to understand the concept of love. Such love, talking about the love that we just described, has no fear because perfect love, and only God can love you perfectly. What does it do? It expels all. And I promise you, when you're afraid, you're not going to have any peace in your life. Fear robs you of peace. So perfect love expels all fear If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. So you and I need to have absolute confidence in the fact that we are loved by God. That's why in this little book that we gave you this last week, there's several actually pages in this book or, or, or days of this 21 days that we focus on the love of God for your life, because the more secure you are in God's love, the more peace you're going to have in your life. Now, what robs us, what's the primary thing that will rob you or make you afraid that God doesn't love you anymore? Think about that for a moment. What's the number one thing that gets into your mind that causes you to wonder if God really loves you anymore? I'll give you the answer. Probably some of you already know it, and that's guilt, right? Or shame. If anything's going to cause me to wonder if God still loves me the way the Bible says He does, it's when I mess up, okay, and I feel guilty about the fact that I've missed the mark with God and I begin to feel ashamed at some level in my life about where I am in my relationship with God. Before long, I have a fear of what? Have you ever been there before? God must be mad at me now. He must be wanting to punish me in some way. And so it begins to move you out of this peaceful sense of God's love into a fear of punishment. And we go back, such love, perfect love, has no fear. But we find ourselves afraid because of guilt and shame. That's why the Scripture is so clear in giving us these kind of verses Uh, One of my favorite, as you know, as I mention it so often, but if we confess our sins to him, what is he? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's that confidence that even our failures will never stop God from loving us. Isaiah chapter 43, 25, God's words to us, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Isn't that a good verse of scripture? Look at Romans chapter five, verse number one. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have, what do we have? What are we talking about today? Peace. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Philippians 3.13. Read this with me. No, dear brothers and sisters, 
I've not achieved it. That's perfection. But I, read with me, I focus on this one thing. What does he say he does? What do you use to focus on something? What do you use to focus on something? Your mind, right? Paul says, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived there. I've not achieved perfection, but I, I put my mind on this. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So you and I need to recognize that even in the moments that we, we, we miss it with God, that God comes along and offers us a way back to him, and we need to take advantage of that because it's what Jesus died on the cross for so we could stay in relationship with God. But this living in love is not sufficient if it's just about you and God, okay? It's wonderful to love God. It's wonderful for God to love us. That's great, but it has to get... If you're going to have peace in your life, you have to translate that into your relationships with other people as well. You and I need to live in love toward others. How do you stay in the peace of God? You have to pray through your problems. There's no way, these are simple statements, but very important uh, practices in our life. You've got to pray through them. Anybody tonight have any problems in your life? Of course you do. If I handed out a sheet of paper tonight to each one of you and said, list your problems, everybody should have at least one. If you don't have any, come see me. I'll share one of mine with you. Okay, I'll be glad to do that, okay? But you've got to make the decision, what do I do? Because what do problems do to your life? They take away your peace, okay? As soon as a problem comes up, it says, I'd like to enter your world, but when I come in, I'm taking peace from you. You don't have any peace. Instead, instead of focusing on what is peaceful, you focus on the problem. It becomes very real. And so we have to know what to do with problems if we're going to keep the peace, because your life, let me just say it, your life, I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Your life from the time now until you die is going to be filled with problems. There'll never be a time in life, being a Christian does not ensure that you'll never have any problems. Jesus made it very clear, in this world you're going to have tribulation. Life can be very hard sometimes. Everybody's going to have some problems along the way. I know you did not come to church tonight to hear that wonderful promise, uh, but I'm just reminding you of the reality that you need to live in. So you need to know what do I do when problems come because if I don't know what to do when problems come, I will constantly be losing my peace. I'll never be able to be sustained in peace. So let's look at what the scriptures say. Some of you know this well, but let's be reminded of it. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. Notice what the promise is in the next verse. If you do this, if you do what? If you don't worry, but instead, pray. So, if you do that, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human. What are we talking about here? Time to change your. Isn't it interesting how many times you see these, ver these, these concepts in Scripture? Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace, there it is again, will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Look at, I'm going to come back to this in a moment. Let's read a couple of other, other verses. So God's rest, because the opposite of, 
of, of, of turmoil and anxiety over your problems is rest. So God's rest is there. It's available for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. It's talking about the children of Israel in the Old Testament. But he's reminding us that God's rest is there. It's available for people to enter. God has a restful place for you to step into in your life as you pray through your problems. Colossians 3, 14 and 15. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ, you have to get it from him. How do you get peace from Christ? You've got to go to him, okay? That's where you get it. It doesn't just happen in your life. And let the peace that comes from Christ, it comes because you went to him. You made a step in his direction. Let it rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be what? Thankful. So I'm going to give you some, some words here that will help you to understand. These are not on your notes. They're not on the screens. But let me just give you sort of a breakdown. When you've got a problem in your life, what do you do to stay in peace? Well, for, yeah, you pray. But what does that mean? It means you tell God what's concerning you. It means you've got to go to God and get on your knees or sit in your chair, or whatever you do, or do your walk. Or it doesn't matter your posture so much. as It matters that you really communicate to God not because God needs the information. I mean, you know that God doesn't need you to inform him as to what's going on in your life. He already knows. But you need that interaction so that you can work your way through whatever problem is in your life. So you go to God and say, God, I'm having a significant problem at work. And, and describe it to God. It's okay. The, all through the pages of the Bible, especially the book of Psalms, you see David talking about his problems. He doesn't hold them back. It's not as though he's trying to inform God again. He's just freely talking to God about his problems. And I found in my own life that sometimes that alone is extremely therapeutic, just to be able to tell God what's going on in my life. Because let me, let's see if we can take a step to the side for a moment. What do you normally do when you have a problem? You want to tell somebody about it, right? You pick up the phone, hey, you know what's going on with me? Let me tell you what's really happened at work. This is terrible. Or you text somebody, you want to, the natural inclination is to tell somebody when you've got a problem. I've got to tell somebody about this. Well, stop worrying about telling other people. First and foremost, tell God, okay? Tell him, okay? And then after you've told God, then you ask God to take care of the problem for you, okay? So God, I've told you what's going on. I'm specifically asking you, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. So the idea is, God, I'm asking you, I've got this issue going on in my life and I'm asking you to get involved here. I know that you are, but, but I'm asking specifically that there would be a, an invasion from heaven to earth because that's what prayer is. Prayer is bringing heaven down into our earth. God, would you release a resource, whatever it might be, work in this situation. And then the third thing you do is you've got to give it up. You've got to release it. So tell, ask, release. Say it with me. Tell, ask, release. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, 
to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.